Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Brand Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. That wow, really holy well. crap. I tried to do the fast You one. were just so excited. And we are the Podcast of Champions. We talk all things Pac-12 football, even are you cannibalism. In, are you coming in a little hot right now? Am I a little hot? Let You're a little see. bit hot. I'm, I'm picking up your nose hairs. Really? All yeah. Right. Anybody else out there? What do you think? Do you, is Ryan coming in hot? I'll turn him, turn him down a little bit. Yeah. But we're the podcast of champions. We're uh, talking all things Pac-12 football. We are simulcasting live on YouTube, no matter what Dave says. Look it's up, not a simulcast. It's, it's if you're brought. Like, it's a streaming thing. It's the same mm-hmm. deal. We're streaming. We're simulcasting. We're on YouTube live talking. Pac-12 football, recording our regular POC episode uh, for the week. We got to recap everything that happened in week 11, uh, which was chaos. Boring week. Which was cannibalism. Boring week. Thought it would be chalk. We were, we are- Is there anything more chalk than UCLA being just an absolute <laughs> catastrophic disappointment, though? Yeah. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty chalky. Yeah. Um, Noah says, under, over under 2.5 times Dave threatens Ryan. Uh, e. Castro says, great simulcast. See, I like yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence says, I'm only here for Dave's tears. I think you'll be disappointed. He probably like, he, he got a good cry in before we started. Yeah, no, I already, I already <laughs> cried on Ryan's shoulder. If you notice the wet spots, <laughs> there's a little bit here, a little yeah. bit there. Uh, but yeah, we got a, it's going to be a fun show. We really thought our picks were pretty bad again. We picked all the same. We were three and three because we thought it'd be like a chalk weekend and it was not. It was very much not. Very much not a chalk weekend. Um, you can go to, uh, if you want to send us an email, um, pac12podcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, send us a question, have any concerns, comments, whatever, you can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. I think we got a voicemail from our buddy Perk today. I think we got some text messages. You can also tweet us at pac12podcast on the website. It's pac12podcast. Dot com and over at reddit reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions and of course the apple podcasting app david where people can go you can follow the show follow us there we love that and then uh yeah rate us with the five stars and uh that's always great i don't know if we have any new ones do you often do the earpiece mike i don't i just did it today for some reason you look like you're a secret service agent yeah that's okay that's what i was going for interesting yeah i'm kind of thrown by it <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm staring. So if, if you don't have the perspective, I'm staring at Ryan's right ear, and I'm like, that's different. I can uh, give them the perspective. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. it's I got the. It, yeah. Little earpiece in, like. Um, anyway, yes, we have several new reviews. Oh wow! Um, okay. We have one from Christoph Alexander. It's uh, a five star review. Podcast of champions. <gasps> if you are looking for a podcast where you leave knowing less than you did before the listen, and that mostly meanders outside the confines of the content advertised, then who boy is this for you? One thing you got to give them credit for is how much they hate the subject they cover. Much like the barista who tells you how much they hate their job while making your overly complicated dumb drink, they fail to deliver in most every possible way. It feels like a Big Ten inside joke, a parody of what they assume Pac-12 experts would look like if they even existed at all. If there is anything complimentary to say about them, it is that they are connoisseurs of whatever stink is emanating from the one and only Stanford Cardinal. I assume it's because they are quick studies of all things that are awful, the, the one thing this broken clock has ever seemed to have gotten right. Keep up the miserable work and go Utes. That's a Utah Utes. fan. That's nice. Um, I, I, I don't think we hate the sport we cover. I, no, I, I no. Love it. Deeply love it in a um, sick and... Uh, very, very, very unhealthy way. Mm. Uh, this is from Lazy as Fuck. Five-star review. Lazy but good. Meant to write this review months ago when I actually had a chance at winning free underwear, but my lack of ac- effort accurately reflects the effort that Brian and Dave put in each week. I used to like Brian more than Dave, but it took me a while to realize Dave's cynicism hides deep down he actually has good takes on Pac-12 football. Brian's whining about refs is annoying. Go to the Big Ten already. I would write more, but I doubt you'll read this review anyways. Take your five stars. However lazy as fuck, what you have to realize is you put a five-star review on this, which means we read it no matter what it is. Right. Yes. Uh, so th- that's someone that liked me more, and now he likes you. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because you were whining about the refereeing. Uh, <laughs> like a month ago. Okay. This is from Bruin Word, a five-star review. Ooh. Baby approved. I recently became a foster parent of a very newborn baby. Save your money on sound machines, bouncers, or fancy gadgets to assist with sleeping. The soothing sound of the beard and his hairless compadre have made the transition back to newborn life easier. The anti-homerism, defenseless defenses of the Pac-12, and laughable advice against the spread have set the perfect audio to soothe this baby boy to sleep. I myself only listen to five to seven minutes at a time. The baby is incapable of staying awake longer than that. Thank you, Dave and Ryan, for the assist to sleep. P.S. They talk sports. We do. Very good. We talk other stuff, too. And this is another five-star review. This is from Coligny? Coligny? I don't know. Uh, A mirror of us all. Ryan is the type of person I wish I could be. Reliable, dedicated, and caring. Dave is the person I end up being. Focused (laughs) mostly on my own interest in historical topics and quickly disinterested in anything that involves time-consuming preparation. I also have young kids, so I totally get it. No judgment. By the way, Cal State Eugene is a terrible place. Don't let anyone you care about go there, even to fill up their car at a gas station. Well, they wouldn't be filling up their own car. Because somebody else would be doing it. State law, right? That's right, baby. I like it. That's how you find employment. Uh, I love it. So that was that all the reviews? Uh, yeah, very cool. Wasn't that great? Thanks for all the reviews. We appreciate that. It's uh, you guys are. I mean, the listeners are great. They're really funny with all the reviews. Uh, I want to thank all them. I want to thank our sponsor, My Bookie. Another kind. Of, you know, it was a fifty-fifty week for me, so uh, not great. We want to get back onto the winning ways, but with so many sports books to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win. And where is that? That's My Bookie. A huge selection of odds, props, and contests for all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Of course, the Pac-12, the main one there. Stream games and live bet while you watch. So you can t- turn game day into a payday with my bookie. This week, you got six opportunities all on Saturday, so that'll be a good one. And you can sign up for free today using promo code PAC12. Claim a half deposit match of any amount up to $1,000. So promo code PAC12. 
12 to claim your deposit bonus and give yourself a competitive edge. When you play with my bookie, you're not just betting, you're joining the winning team. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Beautiful. Go check it out. Promo code PAC12. Um, David. Ryan. We got a lot to get to. There was a lot of weekend, but thanks, uh, thanks to my bookie. Uh, for all that, I want to give a quick update on the survival pool before we jump into the news because I usually forget to do that. So, uh, 15 survived week 10. Um, of the 15 entries that qualified for week 10, 13 survived. One picked a loser and one didn't pick. How do you not pick when you're this far in? You make it all there is so much underwear to be had, so much underwear to be had. So, uh, there were 11 winners, uh, seven picked Utah, four picked USC. I don't know if you remember which one you had. You just had the. It doesn't two. matter. Yeah, Oregon State. There were two, and then the one loser had Stanford. They had to pick Stanford. Um, I think that was the person that had to. They had like Stanford, Colorado left or something. Correct. So there's not going to be a submission form this week because all there's only one option left. Amazing, Co- Colorado baby. Uh, so we will post the current standings on the website for you. And uh, so the other Ryan has Cal, mm-hmm. uh, who has. Opened at a five and a half point favorite despite six losing six consecutive games. Pretty amazing. Uh, he says, reminds me of 2001 when Cal started the year 0 and 10 and then went on the road to Rutgers as a seven point favorite and covered. Um, it's unimaginable that Cal's opponent on Saturday could be so horrible. Of course, you don't need to imagine it when you can watch it on TV every week. Everyone else has Colorado. Nice knowing you. So we might need to, you know, we might have a, what, 11 way tie. Or we could have one clear winner. What, what is our multi-team tiebreaker, Ryan? We have to figure that out. Should uh, we should we make it not based on like anything relevant or interesting, but like based on like how you did in the survivor pool? I would like it to be more of like the, what the way the Pac-12 does it. So yes. So everyone, just so you know, there's a live scenario where UCLA wins out, um, finishes in a four-way team tie for the second place in the Pac-12 with Washington, who they've beaten, Utah, who they've beaten, and USC, who in that scenario they would have beaten. And they don't make the Pac-12 title game. It's very cool. That's pretty awesome. So we need to figure out something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe we do like a five-star review contest, like who leaves the best one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a battle royale. Um, Fight to the death. Hunger I, Games. I, I like that. Uh, or it could be we could do like a pick for um, like the Pac-12 championship game, like pick the score. Maybe something like that would be better. That would actually then a battle royale. And then a battle royale. I think that would be uh, all of those would be kind of yeah. Great. And everyone could pick their weapon of choice. Yeah, or or whichever school they're from, like they get to pick something like sort of you know thematically similar. Uh, yeah, like oh. if you're a Trojan, you get a sword. I like that. That would be good. You like um, that? We have some break. No, I haven't seen this. But... I'm done. I'm done already with this show. You I'm are done with you, and I'm I, done with this I, show. I'm not watching Twitter right now, but uh, Eddie yeah, I know. says Chip Kelly just signed a 15 year extension worth 105 million. Mm-hmm. Seems undervalued, but I'm I'm going with it. That's fine. I, I'm glad UCLA locked up their coach. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I assume Eddie is correct. So just well, to at like, least he got UCLA back where it should be with hopes and dreams through the end of October, <laughs> and then just crushed absolutely by something just you couldn't have seen coming, just like an absolute blindside hit. It's very good. It's very it was, UCLA. Yeah, it was very UCLA. Uh, we do have some actual sort of newsy stuff. We got to get to the games because obviously uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so Bruce Feldman broke this and then Cal confirmed it uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday, Monday, on Sunday. Um, seems like a little, this is like the little too little too late sort of deal. But uh, 
Cal offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave and offensive line coach, coach Angus McClure have been fired. Uh, Cal was on a six screen, is on a six game losing streak. Is three and seven and one and six in Pac twelve play. Um, hey, uh, who hired Bill Musgrave? I'm not sure. Uh, I would assume maybe the, you know, he was probably there before oh, Justin Wilcox. So there, I'm right? looking he it up right now. Him? He he was he was hired in 2020. Oh, so that was only and now I'm I'm not a math guy, but that was three years ago, right? Right, like three seasons ago. Three seasons ago. But so, you, college football was different then, Dave. Like the these college offenses were. Like, you wanted a more traditional NFL kind of offense back then, right? Because that was that, this was before the advent of spread offenses, right? right? Like this the, was, before tempo and all that Chip Kelly stuff, right? You want to go with you know run the ball, throw it on third and eight. Oh wait, wait, hang on. I, I'm, I'm hearing reports that Justin Wilcox has been the head coach there since 2017. <laughs> Yep, you know who should be fired right now? Yeah. Justin Wilcox. I think we have a question about that. Hiring Bill Musgrave was a knowable error at the time. It was just as bad as Jimmy Lake hiring John Donovan. Hmm. And Jimmy Lake, I mean, he got fired for a lot of reasons, but that was one of them. Justin Wilcox, I do not know what like naked photos he has of everyone involved in the Pac-12, but he is not a good head coach. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess here's the ideal scenario that – Auburn ends up hiring Dan Lanning, and then you know Wilcox gets fired, and he's uh, as an open opportunity. Well, to obviously, go back to obviously, then he would be open to take Ideal. the Oregon job that that would be offered to him for I don't know, probably eight million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, you know, I, you know, it's, what's funny that probably this was week what after week eleven you fire uh, these guys two weeks ago or a week and a half ago or whatever it was they threw the ball all over USC's defense. Like, you know, uh, Jack Plummer had 406 yards passing against USC the previous game. No, but USC figured out all its issues because it beat Colorado 55-17. Apparently. Yeah, but so there are no more issues. How funny is that? There's like, about. defense was terrible, terrible. I mean, offense was terrible, terrible. Oh, they had one good week against USC, terrible again. But then you fire them. So maybe that, that was sort of like your, that one game that sort of extended things, uh, like David Shaw's, uh, you know, Notre Dame or something like that. I don't know. Um, Scott, oh, we have an interesting uh, suggestion from Scott in the chat. Uh, Carl Durrell is available, so if uh, Cal does make a move, so I think Cal, I, I think Cal should open up because Cal would then get into the uh, other failed UCLA coach sweepstakes, which is Jim Mora, who Ooh. got UConn to bowl, bowl eligibility yeah. this weekend uh, by beating Liberty, which is a victory for mankind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Colorado and Cal, they could be in a bidding war for uh, Jim Morris services. Wait, they beat they Liberty? Just, yeah. Liberty beat, like, Arkansas or something. Yeah, Liberty beat Arkansas, and then UConn beat him at home. Wow. Yeah, no, UConn, uh, that job that he's done there, I mean, this is an aside, this is a Pac-12 podcast, not a not a whatever the hell UConn independent con- uh, podcast, mm. but getting that program to 6-5 and five this year is the craziest coaching job anybody has done this year. Yeah. Insane. Uh, pretty nuts. Um but yeah, he and his house is haunted. If you remember that from uh, that was cool. The other thing. Uh, let me. I have a, a tweet I want to uh, show you guys, or I can't show you. I guess I could have showed you, but uh, we didn't do that. It's from. Uh, uh, it's an Oregon State fan, Sim Baddest, and he tweeted this, and then College Football Reddit tweeted it out. It's a great, you know, piece of art um, showing a, a, the circle of death in the Pac-12. Uh, I guess I could try to pull it up and, and put it on the screen for you guys. Um, 
it's pretty funny the way this goes. Dave, do you want, I'll I'll save this. Dave, do you want to read who sure. beat who? Arizona has beaten UCLA, which beaten which has beaten Utah, which has beaten USC, which has beaten Oregon State, which has beaten Washington State, which has beaten Stanford, which has beaten Arizona State, which has beaten Washington, which has beaten Oregon, which has beaten Colorado, which has beaten Cal, which has beaten Arizona. So everybody in the conference has beaten everybody else. Here we go. I'm pulling it up right yeah. now. I'll I'll cover me and show you. Um, oh, let me make that a little smaller. Yeah. So Sim Battis. So this is uh this is pretty cool. Make it in there. Uh, they got some nice graphic, you know, nice drawings of everybody. Um, like the USC guys, like a stick figure getting thrown off a cliff. The Sun Devils are like a halo. The the Stanford trees on fire. I don't know the 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 two like cats, like the um, Washington State. I don't know. That's a it's looking like a guy meowing, and uh, the the Arizona wildcat. I don't know. He's looking kind of cartoony and stuff. Uh, but yeah, there's some. Some cool stuff here. The duck's not very happy looking, but great artwork. I thought it was, you know, it looked like it was drawn by a, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I had fixed it on the non-live screen and it was like, there's still like the old one. I was like tinkering with it and everything. So now you can kind of see it. You're not, you're not seeing like the weird version. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I love this. I mean, it, it, but this is very tip pack 12 and there's a couple teams here to get a win, like for Stanford to get a win for Cal to get a win. Um, I mean, and you needed some big wins. You know, you needed Washington to lose to Arizona State. You needed UCLA to lose to Arizona. There were some key key upsets that had to happen to make this circle work. And it's beautiful that UCLA sacrificed so that others might live. <laughs> so, yeah, this and this, what did we need this past week, right? We needed... You needed both, Arizona to beat UCLA. And you needed Oregon to lose to Washington. Like Correct. Because they didn't have a loss at all. So, um it was a perfect weekend, and someone was—I think somebody was like ready for this. Beautiful, uh, yeah, but uh, pretty cool there. So I just wanted to give a little props um, to the the author of that one. We do have six teams, so we're you know we won't know the college football playoff rankings until uh, Tuesday evening, and we're recording this on Monday. But we have six teams uh, in the Pac-12 ranked in the AP. Well, two-loss Washington beat a one-loss team. So if we're following the SEC rules, shouldn't Washington be at, like, number seven now? Yeah, they need to jump up way, way high. Uh, but Oregon State snuck back in, which is cool. Because um, we had that upper tier, right, with the four teams. And now – but it was Oregon State and Washington were just right there. They had that close game that came down to the – Yeah, now and, it's going to be six teams ranked, right? Yeah, six teams ranked. Yeah, so in it, the playoff ranking. It's pretty cool. It's uh, very cool. We'll see if Oregon State gets in in the playoff rankings, but I think that would help. Totally. Um, but yeah, not as many top ten, you know, top twelve teams as you had before, but still a bunch of ranked teams. Definitely different than the parity that that we saw with, uh, you know, you don't have as many of those until this weekend. You didn't have like the Arizona's beating a UCLA, but still like enough wins had happened that it wasn't happening like every other week where every team was going to get um, cannibalized and knocked down and and all of that. Um, any other stuff, David? You want no, to? I'd love to talk about these football games. So, real quick, we're, before we do this, like it was hard to do the power rankings, and uh, you can argue with them. Um, you know, I think at the it's more of a tier thing, uh, and even that's a little muddled. So, even at the top, I don't know. They, all these teams are going to play each other this week, so I think we'll, we'll know a lot more. I think the bottom's still pretty clear. Uh, but in the middle, like, you know, there's just a lot of things that can happen. So we're going to go through all that doing our Pac-12 Roundup. 
All righty. Uh, we're going to start with this was our Friday game, and you know, c- cementing their spot in the the cellar, number twelve, Colorado Buffalo. And they were on the road taking on our number two team, USC Trojans. This game was very funny for a little while, and then it got just very, very sad for Colorado. Um, <laughs> it was very funny early. Yes, the score was three to two Colorado at one point. Uh, Caleb Williams at the end of the first quarter. Yes, <laughs> USC had eight yards. In Fif- the first Fifteen minutes into this football game, right yes. here, uh, Colorado had a lead, and frankly. Probably should have been a little bit more. Like the USC looked like they had not shown up for the game. Like Caleb Williams looked asleep. The offensive line looked asleep. The defense was like sort of there, but not really because it's Colorado. Um, but Colorado, because it's a trash can, was only able to score three points during this period. Um, and then uh, the deluge began. Um, USC spent the next three quarters scoring 53 points. Uh, 24 in the second quarter, 15, and then 14. Um, it was a uh, a, a massive beatdown. They ended up covering the 34, uh, despite, again, being down by a point after the first quarter. Uh, Colorado's a trash can. JT Shrout, um, I don't like to necessarily single out individual players here, um, but... You you gave him a non glowing review on your Twitter. He is non functional as a quarterback, <laughs> is what I referred to him as. But I think I, I think I used that line in our Tunnel Vision show last night. I was like, David Woods said called him a non functional quarterback. So just like you know, well, temporary. there was that one throw where it was to Brady Russell in the end zone, right? It was I think it was the one where if they would made that, they would have been up seven to two instead of three to two. Okay, I think so. Um, where I'm not kidding that I think fifty percent of the people following me on Twitter could have made that throw. <laughs> Because it didn't require anything besides leading the receiver a little bit. And instead, he rifled the ball at his back shoulder when he was coming across the end zone. Um, It was insane. Uh, I I talked to Adam Munster-Tiger in the press box about it. I was like, he has like this cone. and Because I was really frustrated because I picked Colorado to cover. And they couldn't even snap the ball. And I was like... And they do a lot of these like crossing things and and Shrout just has to like basically like it's like pop a shot over the middle. And it's like like you said, he's gunning at the back shoulder. And Monster Tiger said it's sort of like when you're a kid skipping rocks and you're not sure where it's going to like go. (laughs) Like that's what his throw is like. He's like skipping a rock across the lake. It was insane. Um, Yeah. And it was um, I I, with a functional quarterback, Colorado scores more. They probably end up with like 24 or 27. USC still wins comfortably, but they don't cover. Right. Here's the thing. Just to underscore the decision-making of Carl Durrell, um, how the fuck do you come into this season thinking that this guy and Brendan Lewis are your answers at quarterback? There are dudes available in the transfer portal from like low majors that can play the game better than these guys. Yeah. How did you do this? How did you come into the year thinking that? Like, Look what ASU does with Trenton Borgay. He's not great. He's got a little pop-gun arm, but he just can manage a functional offense. Like, why aren't you recruiting Chase Griffin from UCLA as like, uh, okay, here, come over here and we'll give you $100,000 in NIL money? Because, yeah, is he like a walk-on caliber from his like arm strength standpoint? Yes. But is he going to just like egregiously mess up throws constantly throughout the game? No. Um, It's just, I I truly don't understand how they went into the season thinking Trout was the answer or thinking Brendan Lewis was the answer. Because the rest of this offense, I thought, actually played pretty well. I thought they ran the ball really well. I thought yeah. Alex Fontenot had the best game he's had in, like, four years. He had a 100-yard um, game. He was great. Uh, and it was just – it didn't matter because their quarterback play was so bad. And I will say this. 
Um, USC's pass rush is legit. Um, and the thing with USC's pass rush that should make UCLA fans scared this weekend is imagining uh, Tuli Tuapolotu yeah. uh, going against uh, right tackle Garrett DiGiorgio. It's, mm. It could be a nightmare. He is a, yeah, he leads the nation in sacks. Uh, 11 and a half sacks, had two and a half in this one. Sack fumble, the, batted a pass down. Tuli Tuapolotu is the, you could argue the MVP of the team. Um, there was a, this was a weird, I, I think I tweeted like bad vibes game. So, uh, you know, to, to Avery over there at, uh, you know, the no truck stops. I don't know if maybe I didn't use the bad vibes word, but it just didn't feel right. It was like Friday night in LA. There wasn't a lot of people there. USC, like, you know, Caleb Williams looked like crap when he comes out of the game. He throws a pick. He's only thrown one all year. He throws one against Colorado. An underthrown ball to Brendan Lewis, who, uh, Br- Brendan Rice, who played for uh, Colorado last year. After, like, the first drive, there's a drone delay, an unauthorized drone flying over the Coliseum, and they had to get rid of that. It was just very weird. The three to two thing. Um, that was strange. There was a weird one too. Like later on when USC sort of got control, the, you know, you have the backup punter holder. Will Rose does a backflip on a fake PAT thing. That was kind of weird. Uh, obviously losing, they lose Travis Dye, who has just been an emotional leader for this team, which is crazy to think. Cause he's only been there like seven, eight months. Um, so it looks like he's gone for the season. So unfortunately, you know, it's a, it's a big loss. What he's been able to do run game, pass game off the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Colorado's so bad, like you spent non-functional quarterback, like USC sort of was like sleepwalking through the first quarter and played okay. Like the rest of the game and still like blew this team out, like nowhere near like an a effort. Like we saw Oregon, we're gonna talk about this Oregon last week, come out, try trick plays and just like blitzkrieg the heck out of, uh, of Colorado in this one the, the USC didn't do that at all. And you still like kind of like meandered through and covered the spread. Um, so it's, you know, Colorado just isn't good enough to take advantage of any kind of, uh, gift that another team gives you. Um, but it was eight yards for USC in the first quarter, then score outscores Colorado 24, nothing in the second quarter. Uh, this is the fifth time for Colorado losing at least nine games since joining the pac 12. God, that's a lot of times to lose nine games. So, oh, uh, let me do my SRS update. Cause I want to see if this is the worst, if this is worse than that 2012 team. Hang on. Okay. All right, so they are at a negative 11.81 in SRS, uh, which is that simple rating system that I like to cite as like a good historical guide. 2012 was a negative 12.66. So for this to be officially, uh, yeah, I think it would officially be, for this to be officially the worst Colorado team um, in history, uh-huh. they'd probably need to lose and not cover pretty badly the next two games. So, but it's it's on the table for him. <laughs> Being the worst in history. I mean, that's it, look, you, want. you can't get you can't get zero and twelve. That's out. That's not in the cards anymore. Right. I mean, but you still that was the can. Dream that you died. can still achieve the worst Colorado team in history. And I think if you start JT Shroud the next couple of games, got a pretty good chance. Yeah, uh, Colorado man. They... I mean, it's at Washington. Who you know they might be feeling themselves now. They could you know they could tattoo them, yeah. and then it's against Utah. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, they they couldn't cover two spreads in the thirties. What at home? Yeah, the last two weeks. So uh, that is we're that, at we're at twelve likes. What's going on, people? I, so I said, smash that like button. Yeah, get in here. We got Do a lot it. of people watching live, like normal. There's seventy nine people. Why are there not seventy nine likes? Yeah, uh, yeah, we hit eighty, which is pretty good. I think because I put this out early. There's so. eighty now. There's, that one person dropped off. They came back right on. Uh, what are we, 81. We're normally like in the 50s. Or I'm just going right? to shout the number as it comes I out. I love that. 
But I think just because I, I actually set this up. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. we actually did schedule it. We, you know, it I was, love the we part because <laughs> nothing. Did to do did with I it. respond to your text message? <laughs> you then I had a lot to do with it, didn't I? <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> oh, David. All right, let's go on our number eleven team, Stanford Cardinal. And I, I feel bad because in a normal year, like Stanford would be like the runaway number twelve team, you know, like not even close. <laughs> but like, what can you, you do got- with the when you have the worst Colorado team in history? <laughs> and our number, and we're the controversial. We're gonna give them our number one team, Utah Utes. Yeah, this is sort of a by default. But what what are you gonna do? They they tattooed Stanford. Um, they beat them worse than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, because um, we covered well, this one though. Well, like, this one we got right. I, I thought they would win by a, roughly this margin. I didn't think Stanford would be held to seven points. They'd been comfortably in the teens. I was expecting like twelve, maybe in this game or eighteen, but certainly not seven. It was seven nothing Stanford. It was seven nothing <laughs> Stanford, and then the water turned off, and they they couldn't do anything more. Can I read to you their offensive stats? Uh, I would love. To. I, would right. love for, I don't know if I would. They, they threw the ball twenty five times uh, for one hundred and fifty five yards. So that's you know it's pretty bad, but it's it's Stanford football. What are you gonna do? Um, they ran the ball twenty six times for how many yards? Guess. Uh, I don't know. Eighty. Twenty two. <laughs> Almost a yard per carry. Twenty two yards, baby. Um, yeah, this was this was a, a massive beatdown. Uh, Utah took a while to get going. Um, they get, were they were they were booting. They were like the USC, like in the, the yeah. They were not ready for this game, but um, really good sign. Tavion Thomas looked um, stellar in right. the second half, especially. Um, and Cam Rising, I thought again looked like a step more comfortable um, coming back from that injury. And end result is they they beat the ever loving shit out of Stanford. Um, and I think it sets up for what should be a very interesting Utah-Oregon game because you've got Utah now back to firing on all cylinders after that little brief blip. Um, And Oregon is, you know, I don't know if you could say they're faltering, but they certainly faltered last weekend. So, you know, when coming into this, uh, coming into this month, I would have said, oh, Oregon probably wins that by 10 points at home. I don't know anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, but Stanford, they're absolute ass. So on the SRS watch for them, here's the thing. Um, David Shaw has gotten worse every single season in SRS, uh, which again, simple rating system, since 2015. So 2015, they dropped 2016, 2017, so on and so forth. Um, This year, however, is a move upward. So right now, right now they are negative 1.71 in SRS, which means they're about a 1.7 1.7 worse points worse than an average team. Okay. Last year they were 5.79 points worse than an Whoa. average team. Okay. So to get there, they have to get smoked by Cal this weekend and then lose to whoever the hell they have in week 12. BYU, BYU I think. Yeah. So it, again, it could happen, but that's what we're on here. We're on is this the worst Stanford team since uh 2006 when they went 1 and 11 under Walt Harris. Wow. That's that's the watch we're on right here. This 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 one had the weird vibes early too and uh like not covering like we didn't cover the the USC Colorado game and you're kind of watching this one was later like it wasn't doing that well and I was like, man, not going to cover this one either. Stan, you know, Utah's just messing around. Stanford to be, you know, full disclosure, you know, for the 
for the uh, Zodiac killer and all that. Like, I love the way the Stanford defense was playing early on. Like, they looked like a legit team. And maybe it was just Utah was a little hungover or something. I'm not sure. But which one of um, Utah's 279 rushing yards made you think that you liked what Stanford was doing? It was early, like early on. <laughs> no, Utah, like, they were, I think they were going to go three and out, and they did a fake punt and it worked. And they still didn't score on that drive. Stanford scored and. They were kept stopping Utah early on. So it was like, all right. And then like, oh, how is Utah going to cover 24 points with Stanford up 7 nothing? Um, Cam Ryzen didn't think look great. And then he started going, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Stanford never scored again. It's just sort of like the world was righted. It was, you know, very similar to USC uh, Colorado. But this is the 14th straight home win for uh, for Utah. So I know Oregon had that really long streak that, you know, break, we don't want to spoil it, but that ended. Um, like you said, Stanford, 22 rushing yards. It's the third straight game they've allowed 500-plus yards and the fifth time this season uh, that they've done that. So five times this season they've given up 500 yards or more, and they're obviously 0-5 in those games. But, uh, yeah, this sort of was just, like, weird at, at first and then became normal for the rest of the game. Yeah, David Shaw should be fired. Uh no question about it at this point. You know, talking to some sources, it sounds like, remember before, it was like it wasn't possible? Maybe it is. I don't know. He should be fired. He's, I mean, they, he sh- they, they, it's not just that they're bad. It's that they look hopeless. They, they look hopeless in the way Colorado looks hopeless, and it's like you shouldn't be doing that. It's one thing to do that with your interim. You've already fired the guy. But Stanford looks hopeless, and this guy is just, what, he's able to maintain his coordinators and just do whatever he wants? No. I mean... That's not what anybody signed up for. And the weird thing, Stanford should have beat Oregon State, like almost beat Oregon State. Went on the road and beat, you know, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, would they win the game, Arizona State, without scoring Just, a touchdown? You're an offensive coach, and you have scored more than 28 points in one game this year. <laughs> one game. And that was against Colgate. Against FBS opponents, the only time they scored 28 is against USC. And if you remember that game, it was all backdoor shit. Yeah. Like against USC's backups. Um, In the last five weeks, they have scored 16, 15, 13, 14, and 7. A lot of teens. Yeah. Well, okay. So 16, 31, 44, 58, 65. A Pac-12 team has scored more than 65 this year in a single game. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon. Oregon scored 70. Yeah. And how many uh, games is that? That's five games. Yeah. In five games, they've scored less than Oregon scored in one game this year. <laughs> just you, you can't you can't no. continue to run that out there. That is just terrible. Yeah. All right. Uh we got our number ten team again, you know, in a normal year. Easily could be number twelve, but there's no way you could you can't, you can't fit them down there, even though they lost to the number twelve team. California Golden Bears. <laughs> Uh, they were on the road taking on uh, the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, you want to know how you walk away from a game getting all of your offensive staff fired? You run for nine yards. <laughs> nine yards with Jaden Ott. 16 carries for nine yards in this game. Wow. I, I don't even think you need to say anything else besides that. No. 16 carries for nine yards. It doesn't really matter what else you're doing. If you do that, you're going to lose. Uh, Oregon State beat the hell out of them. What was the line in this game? It was something stupid. It was like 14 points. The line was 14. Yeah. yeah. We got this one right. Yeah. They covered it by 14. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Oregon State's just a, 
the real shame of it is, is that Oregon State is not playing for something real right now um, because they're out of the Pac-12 title conversation. Yeah. But this is a really good damn team. And they're the most solid on both sides of the ball. Um, they can shut a team down and they can score. If, um, you know, their quarterback situation is not so hot. And if That's they very had generous of you, well, <laughs> if they had <laughs> if they had fully healthy Nolan, you'd feel a lot better about them. They probably beat Washington. Yeah. Um, and we'd be having a different conversation about Oregon State right now. I think they have a chance of beating Oregon in a couple of weeks. Um, oh, yeah, for they're sure. They're really, really solid. That's at home. Uh, Cal is a trash can. Uh, just a horrible team. Justin Wilcox should be fired. Um, this should be a fired fired coach big game this weekend. It, like double? double. Yeah, fun. yeah. No, they should both be fired after the game. No matter how their teams perform, they should both be fired after the game. In tandem, during a joint press conference. It's like one of those, what were those, uh, the fighting games where it's like a double knockout? Like right. they both just knock each other out? Like that's what you want to see? Right. I right, think. right. Or it's like that scene from The Dark Knight where uh, the Joker uh, breaks the pool stick and throws it to you know the two guys where I only have room for one on the crew. Pac-12 only has room for one of you guys anymore. So Ooh. fight it out. I like it. Uh, yeah. So Jack Coletto, maybe he could just be the quarterback, you know, like let him play as a <laughs> linebacker. That play, so he had a play action pass. So he came in and uh, it looked like, it, I think it was a fourth and one or something. And it looked like he was just going to run. He like goes forward, backs up. And it was one of those things where you see these plays where the wide receiver is so wide open. There's so there's like five or six yards between the DB and the receiver. And then you see the pass and it's like way out in front of the receiver. You're like, you can't miss the guy that bad. Uh, it could have been a touchdown, but like the, I forget who the receiver was, but he makes a great, like kind of, I think he ended up going to the ground catch uh, fingertip. Like it shouldn't have been, it should have just been like yeah. turn and catch it and just run into the end zone. But uh, that was a really pretty play on fourth and one. He ends up getting hurt in the, the second quarter. I don't know what his status is, but um, Cal was not doing anything offensively. And then there's weird, they got a defensive touchdown in the second quarter. So they, they had seven for most of this game, and it was all because of a defensive score. Uh, at the end of the half, Cal had 53 yards at the end of the first <laughs> half of offense. Like 53 total, like the, all the yards you had, like put them all together. Like if you add up all the yards and you called that something like, let's call it total yards. Yes, it was 53. Right. Uh, they had seven points, but okay. it was all on the defensive side. This um, is advanced analytics. Very advanced. 53. <laughs> 53 yards. Um, yards per drive? No, I don't know. Just They had 53 yards. Like There was no per drive. It was per half. They had 53, 53 yards. 53 yards per stop? What are we talking here? Per half. <laughs> uh, this is the third. No, th I didn't know this. The third straight home game uh, holding opponents for Oregon State under 10. So third time in a row they've had 10 points or fewer. Uh, Cal, 160 total yards. So somewhat of an offensive explosion in the second half, over 100. Uh, 3.2 yards per play. That's a stat. That was one of the advanced ones. So every time I ran a play, it was 3.2 yards, which is almost a first down if you do three. You know, that, that's – I don't know what the number – where the – like what a good number is, but that seems like it would be okay, right? Because you're close to first down. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> six straight loss, six straight conference loss. Holy cow. Cal, yeah. you bad. Fire, fire more people than just your, uh, well, your why offensive don't, Why don't we do it? Hang on, hang on. Uh, California football seasons. Let's just look where they are in our friendly SRS. So right now they are at a negative one point three. Uh, that is very similar to last year when they were negative one point three two. We'll ignore the COVID year. Um, so this will be. It, it has a chance to be the worst Cal team since twenty thirteen when they went one eleven zero nine in conference. Wow. 
I mean, yeah, Chase Garber, so that was going to, like, he was going to overcome. Yeah, and it's any... not, not going to be anywhere close to 2013, but it'll be the worst team since then. Wow, yeah. So, uh, Cal, holy cow. Holy, holy cow. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, very, 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 very bad. Okay, our number uh, nine team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> They were on the road taking on our number seven team. Washington State Cougars. Washington State decided to stop playing after the first half, hmm. um, which is the only reasonable explanation for what happened. Uh, this game finished 28-18. They covered, though, so that's Wazoo good. covered. We which needed a cover. We, we were, Cam Ward. Covers were light. What you can count on Cam Ward is for covering, okay? Hmm. Not much else, but you can count on him for covering. Um but yeah, ASU scored 18 unanswered to close this game out. It was 28 nothing at the half. Uh, Emory Jones came in, and I want to give a shout-out to Emory Jones because he's been a really good teammate. Uh, yeah. Trenton Bourget took his job, uh, but then when Trent, Trenton Bourget went down in this game, Emory Jones came in and uh, and played well. You know, threw a couple of touchdowns, uh, looked good doing it. X-Valaday was really good, uh, especially in the second half. Um, Washington State held on, but um, I don't. It would have been nice to see a complete game out of that offense, um, and it, we just didn't see it in this one. No. Uh, I guess the feeling was like, okay, this is out of control or out of whack, and then you know you lose Trenton Bourget, and then now uh, what happens? But you know, give props to Emory Jones. I mean, ex Valadez stud back there. Um, Random doesn't like uh, Cam Ward. I mean, Cam, I what do you think of Cam Ward? Like, what's your... I don't think he's good. I mean, I think he could be. I think he's got a lot of tools and a lot of upside. I just don't think he's good yet. This defense, I think though, he is takes good. he takes a lot of bad sacks. Um, there are bad sacks, and just uh, takes a long time to process. Yeah, that can all that all speed up. But um, right now, he's not good. Yeah, Washington State was fair by eight. They end up covering barely, but they covered. Uh, there was thirty degrees and fog. Like there was some weird weather, like through the the Pac twelve. Um, you remember like how many, you know, Cal had 53 yards in the first half, Arizona state had 61. So something similar. Uh, but then that, uh, Trenton Bourget leg injury happened. So we, I don't know the status on him. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Uh, Washington state is bowl eligible. So that's good. Um, coming in there, getting the win against Arizona state. They, uh, they outgained Arizona state 291 yards to 61 in the first half. <laughs> And uh, 210 to 21 yards in the first quarter. So it's sort of like a quick start where, like, we saw uh, Utah, USC start slow, uh, overmatched opponents. Washington State kind of started fast and then sort of, like, put it in in park there for a while. Yeah, it wasn't uh, even in neutral. It was, it was just, like it was like a park. <laughs> we're parking this bus. Um, so Arizona State, this is the first time they're not going to be bowl eligible uh, since 2016. And I get my... Uh, I, I guess I already locked up my under six and a half wins for Arizona State. Oh, and I, I should note before before we get to the Arizona game, in case I forget to mention, yeah. uh, the last remaining over unders cashed for Arizona because there was some that got it at three and a half. I'd like oh. to congratulate them; they cashed their overs. Nice, they did get the over. That was good. Um, this is the worst ten game start for Arizona State since they were three and seven back in nineteen ninety four. So this is pretty historic as far as like you know we've seen Arizona State just be like, oh, they're not that good. Like, oh, they're seven and five. You know. This is this is bad. Um, this is okay. We're doing our SRS rundown. Oh, real quick, this, they were they were zero and eight on their first third, their first eight third downs. They didn't convert. They finished three of fourteen on third downs, twenty one percent for the game. So that's not good. holy shit. I didn't even realize this. How bad this? This is? has a chance to be ASU's worst team per SRS since nineteen fifty four. Wow. 
Holy hell. So this is, uh, yeah. I mean. ASU's been like quite decent for a long time. That's the real takeaway there. Yeah. Uh, they've been good. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was our number nine team. So Arizona, we'd already talked. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We haven't talked about them. Oh, we haven't? Uh, no. I think we did. Earlier. No, I was like looking at the wrong thing. Uh, we have our number eight team. Arizona Wildcats. Wow. They're be higher. They just got a big win. Uh, they went on the road. I mean. But it was only against the, the number. Uh, our number four team. UCLA Bruins. How are they still four? No. No way. That's what I put. No, no, no. They're fifth. So what do you want? They're behind Washington. Okay. We'll, we'll swatch that right now. Get the hell out of here. Okay. So our number four team. UCLA I mean, Bruins. Do it again. Do it again. Our number five team. UCLA Bruins. And I'm, I'm supposed to do the Winnie the Pooh uh, actual sound effect for this one. Oh. Oh, bother. I don't know. I don't really know it, Winnie the Pooh's voice. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, UCLA uh, season went up in smoke. Uh, they lost to Arizona. They looked like absolute trash ass. Uh, <laughs> Arizona, bad team. Uh, just beat them. Beat them good, too. I mean, if you go by win expectancy, the post-game win expectancy, this was actually a more convincing win against UCLA than Oregon's. Uh, what Arizona wow. did to him. Um, just a just a Even horrible. It came down to like the last. Yeah, UCLA did what Utah and USC did. Started really slow. They just never actually got out of starting slow. Uh, they were they were asked this entire game. The head coach Chip Kelly um, managed uh, the game horribly. Uh, they called. So this game was very obviously going to be a one score game. One way or another, it was going to be whoever has the ball last is going to have a chance to score and win, no matter what. So the most important thing in a game like that is to manage the clock, manage your timeouts, so you, you are the team with the ball last with a chance to score, and you have enough time to do so. Chip Kelly calls a timeout on a second and eight with 12 and a half minutes to go uh, to avoid a delay of game with 16 seconds still remaining on the play clock. Horrible, stupid, awful timeout. Uh, a lot of head coaches don't realize this, but the, the really the only reason to use timeouts is to manage the clock at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. Uh, Chip Kelly didn't do that. He called the timeout then. And then when Arizona was driving on their drive to put them ahead, uh, he, he only had two timeouts to stop the clock. Uh, and so what ended up happening is that UCLA on its final drive only had a minute to get down the field. Um, the offensive play calling was bad. Uh, when they got to the Arizona 30, uh, sort of inexplicably, and this could have been DTR, could have been the offense, whatever it was, they just decided to take four shots at the end zone with 22 seconds to go. Uh, how many times, Ryan, have we watched a team make a comeback where they've got like 22 seconds from about midfield and they still get it in the end zone with like just chunk plays down the sideline? Mm. You don't actually need to throw to the end zone. <laughs> How many times right. have we seen that? There's a lot, many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just horribly stupid stuff. Um, they, it's they, like they were avoiding the like they wanted the, they wanted the explosive play. They were they, trying to get the explosive it, play. It was hero ball. It was, yeah. but it was like hero ball from the coaching staff too. It was just. It seemed like this entire game, um, they had just taken the ASU game plan and applied it to this one. And unfortunately for them, Arizona's coaches actually wanted to win the game, and so they looked at that. <laughs> And said, "Hey, we can stop that by doing this, what this, this, and this." Yeah. And uh, UCLA didn't do anything to adjust. Um, scoring twenty-eight points against that defense is one of the worst offensive performances for anyone this year. 
Mm. UCLA, with its top 10 offense, scored 28 points against Arizona. Do you want to know who has scored more than 28 points against Arizona? <laughs> there's you, one that are you ready? There's are you ready? one that you're not going to like. All right. Cal? <laughs> Cal. Cal. Wait, no. Cal scored like Cal double. scored 49. <laughs> Like double Oregon one. scored 49. Washington <laughs> scored 49. USC scored 45. Utah scored 45. UCLA scores 28. UCLA scored as much as an FCS school did against this defense. <laughs> UCLA, they scored eight points more than San Diego State. And I'm not totally convinced that San Diego State doesn't run a water polo offense where if they don't score in enough time, they just dump the ball in a corner and get back on defense. <laughs> Good reference. There. Yeah. I like that. Uh, no, UCLA uh, was absolute trash can offense. Uh, uh, offensively, uh, defensively, they were, are what they are. I mean, they were going to allow points this Arizona offense. Um, they got three stops. They they held them to field goals twice. Yeah, defense. I mean, I won't say it did its job, but it did about what you could have expected it to do. The offense was ass, horrible, and it was so UCLA to lose this game. What were I, so UCLA the uh, the tweets about like you know give USC credit they kept you know they. Really good Arizona team. They, you know, were able to beat them by eight. Well, you know, UCLA sticking within a touchdown of Arizona. That's pretty good. You know, like that's. I mean, all were, things considered, you, 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 you should probably give them some more money for that. <laughs> I would think so. Uh, I mean, this is Arizona. This is a top twenty-five recruiting program in the Pac-12. Mm. You don't just let them come into the Rose Bowl and think you're going to walk away with it. This is Jed Fish's second year being the head coach. Man. Yeah, like this is uh, this isn't year one anymore. He's a seasoned veteran in the coaching profession. We I mean, we both took UCLA. This is Jaden Delora, who fifty percent of the time is a competent Pac-12 quarterback. <laughs> he had two fumbles in this one, I think. Right? Yeah, he sure did. Um. And uh, let's uh, so there were multiple times where Jaden Delora um, did like some of the worst scrambling, where he like walked himself into sacks that yeah. were like fifteen yard sacks. And still, even with like that's the thing that you got to take away from this is Jaden Delora played pretty well. Like he threw the ball pretty well. Yeah. But he made a lot of like bad mistakes in this game, and they still won this one. And like it, it took some luck for UCLA to be in it at the end. Yeah. No, that's true. And he he made some really horrible plays, but then he Jed made some... Fish didn't even manage this game well. No. At the end of this game, they had the ball at the five yard line on like a fourth and four where they elected to kick the field goal instead of going for the touchdown with, like, a minute to go. Like, you can end the game, end it, on one play, and instead you kick the field goal and give UCLA a full field at the 25-yard line to try to drive down and score a touchdown. Like, that was bad. They should have won this by double digits. No, and it it was 14-0 early on, and uh, what was that? Did they... Fumble at the one or whatever. What was it that uh, Arizona did? And then UCLA goes on that 99-yard touchdown yeah. drive to tie it. So, like, it could have been, like, 21-7 and it ends up being 14-14. But I'll give Jed Fish credit because, like, something like that, that could be game over, right? Like, you should have been up um, two scores and now it's tied. You're like, oh. Um, so that's uh, – or maybe was that a punt? Was that a punt that went down there? I forget what it was. but 90, Yeah, it was a punt. It was, it was a punt. punt so well. My apologies. It wasn't like you're you're going in. Um, 99 yard touchdown drive though, tied it. I thought that was going to be the end. And I was like, oh, maybe UCLA will like score a few and, and cover the spread. But I was like, nope. Um, Arizona was perfect in the red zone, four TDs, two field goals. So Delora, you know, fumbled a couple of times, but he, he kept it, uh, together in the red zone. I thought that was important. Um, this is an interesting stat too. Uh, UCLA passed the ball 39 times 
and ran the ball 37 times, 76 total. Well, and the important thing to note there is a lot of the Dorian Thompson-Robinson runs were designed pass plays. So it would have been even more. Mm -hmm. But uh, UCLA is 0-2 when they have to pass more than they run, and they're 8-0 when they run more than they pass. So the two games they lost, they've thrown the ball more. So the dopey thing there is obviously when you're down, you're going to pass the ball more, especially if you're down late in the half or late in the uh, late in the game. But yes, I mean, the thing was, even watching this game live, you're like, there was one sequence where they threw the ball to Josiah Norwood, then threw the ball to Zach Charbonnet, and he dropped it, then threw the ball again to Josiah Norwood with the game on the line. Uh, and why are you not running the ball three straight times with Zach Charbonnet right there? It wasn't like a minute to go in the game. It was still plenty of time right. left in the fourth quarter. Sort of what are you doing? It. Yeah. Um, uh, you. Arizona forced UCLA into eight fourth down decisions in this game. They haven't done that. I think the only two teams they've done that against were Colorado and San Diego State. Wow. Um, I just, I, I, I cannot underscore enough how bad this offensive performance was. Hmm. It should give you pause about UCLA even against USC this weekend because Arizona's defense, I'm not exaggerating here, was the worst in the Pac-12 this year. And if you've watched the Pac-12 this year, that's really saying something. Yeah. Because there are a lot of terrible defenses in this league. Arizona's was the worst. UCLA scored 28 points against it and was forced into eight fourth down decisions. Bad. We have some uh, good analysis from the chat. Thanks to John. Lambert says, uh, Delora has the arm mechanics of a person falling down the stairs. A lot of times he does. But... <laughs> <laughs> UCLA's edge containment on top of everything else was so bad in this game that mm. even that falling down the stairs thing, he was still allowed enough time, even when he was outside of the pocket resetting his feet, to deliver the ball just strikes downfield. Yeah. No pressure. Uh and it was like it was like the middle linebacker in their uh cover two defense was dropping like thirty five yards downfield every time. Like just on the snap, I'm gonna sprint backwards as far as I can go. Yeah. Uh, we had a Daniel said um, the uh, fourth and six from their own 36 yard line was a bad call. Even though the defense was struggling, they had two timeouts and should have punted. No, absolutely not, Daniel. Uh, the defense is uh, bad. The offense, you still have to count on it to be pretty good. It was a right call. It just didn't work out. OK, yeah, we're going to talk about some calls and stuff, which uh, I, I love, like, you know, math things and just kind of like talking about this stuff. And I don't know if we should have these reversed. It was just, you know, we could have had Oregon number one right now. We have them uh, number three, but we have our number four team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Went on the road to take on the number three team. Oregon Ducks. Yeah, in retrospect, that probably makes no sense. Should we do? Should we flip them? Yeah, right. what the hell? Why not? Okay, let's. So, wow, Washington went from five to three. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? All right. So, never mind. UCLA went from two to five. Um Washington Huskies, baby. My man, Phoenix. Laid it out there. Um, Washington won 37-34. Uh, this was not the Arizona-UCLA game. This was two really good teams. It was a great game to watch um, from start to finish. Ton of fun. Uh, you know, kind of throwing haymakers back and forth, especially once you got out of that You know, first half of a weird defensive struggle sort of broke out. Um but once you got into that second uh, end of the end of the second half, um, just haymakers back and forth. They were just throwing these deep bombs downfield. Um, like it was a sequence where I want to say Washington throws a deep bomb, and then like three plays later, Bo Nix throws another deep one down the field on his end. A um, lot of fun to watch. Um, Bo Nix got hurt late. Um, I would say this game hinged really for me, um, and I didn't see this talked about nearly enough. 
Oregon had this one drive um, where it looked like, for all accounts, like it looked like they were going to put the game away, where it was they get the ball back, um, and they're up, uh, what was it? So it was 34-34. No, 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 no. I've got that wrong. No, it was um, 31-27 Oregon. They get the ball back at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They get it back at uh, 14-27 minute mark. They then drive the ball for 10 minutes and 33 seconds, and it was the most demoralizing Stanford-esque 2010 drive you could imagine. It was just four-yard That, that was the interception at the goal line, right? That I believe that was it. Yeah, yeah. They got the interception at the yeah. goal line from uh, because Michael Penix um, was rolling to his right, just needed to throw the ball away, but instead he throws it into traffic, gets picked off. Brandon Dorless put his hand up. Anyway, Oregon then has the ball, and it's just clinical. Four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards, running the ball the whole time, taking the entire clock, it's 10 minutes and 33 seconds. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, it's like, uh, I want to say it was third down, second or third down. And uh, Alex Forsyth, who's gotten hurt during the course of this drive, he's their center. Yeah. He snaps it, and Bo Nix fields this thing well. Um, he taps it, gets it, runs forward a couple yards. Doesn't It's not like a, a massive failure. It's not something that's like critical, but it disrupted the rhythm yeah. just enough that they have to settle for a field goal at the end of this drive instead of a touchdown. But if you watch that entire drive, there was zero doubt they were scoring a touchdown. No, there was no stopping. Zero yeah. doubt if they had just snapped the ball perfectly on that play or even just well. Um, and that's where the game really hinged. It was one bad Should they have snap. gone for it there? Or is that like, I don't remember the, it was like fourth so and three Washington then something? made a great play on the next play. There, I think it was their middle linebacker, maybe a safety, who just filled the hole against Knicks. And that's the play where he got hurt, actually. Yeah. Um, filled the hole and stopped him pretty much dead to rights. And so then it was a fourth and three. And I'm thinking, you know, I think, Dan Lanning's thinking, well, we'll go up by a touchdown. Right. And then it's just a matter of our defense stopping them. Or if they score again, well, we'll just go down and score again. Um, but what ended up happening is Bo Nix got hurt on that play. Yeah. Washington does go down and score. But then the next time they have the ball, it's um, Ty Thompson in there instead of Bo Nix. And then this is where a lot of the idiot brigade has begun talking. Uh, you're the mayor of that brigade? I'm not, well, the leader? We can, Are you uh, the battalion commander? What, what no, do you guys call I, I it? I want to say, okay, all I tweeted was, and so this was, it was uh, fourth and one or fourth and one and a half. It was like a little more than one maybe. On your own 34-yard line, you have your backup quarterback in, and the game is tied, right? The game was tied at the time. Correct. I, I'm i cool with analytics. I just, I just said, like, I don't think analytics say that you have to go for it every single time it's a fourth down. Um and I feel like with the backup quarterback in, maybe the math says you should go for it more than not. And I get that the defense is playing poorly, but I would think it's a closer call than just like if you don't get it with your backup quarterback in. Did the backup quarterback was, punch Noah Whittington in the stomach before he caught, uh, decided to trip? Well, it, it wasn't. It's, this isn't like a, a you know nineteen ninety eight handoff where you're like standing and turn around. Like this was like the quarterback's moving with the running back, and it's like kind of a read thing. Um, did the did but did the so second, he had to do something? Like did, the quarterback had, was part of this play. It did, wasn't just he just handed it off. Like, did the second string offensive line come in with the second string quarterback? The center was hurt though, right? Like I'm just saying, you put all that into it. Like 
I don't think punting would have been the wrong choice. I'm not it, saying it absolutely would have been. Uh, okay, because here's the thing: Washington had just driven down the field in 47 seconds. 47 seconds is how long it took them to uh, score their last touchdown. There was a 62-yard bomb or something like that. Sure, but on the previous drive, they had gone uh, 11 plays, 98 yards. They threw an interception at the end zone. Uh, The previous play before that, they went two plays, 75 yards, and 54 seconds. And And the drive before that, they went 10 plays, 85 yards. They were moving the ball no matter what. Dan Lanning understood that. This is the thing. You can't be results-oriented when you've got a coach who oh. understands analytics. And the thing is, there were there were several good calls from Lanning in this game that just didn't work out. The onside kick was also a good call. Going for that onside kick was exactly what they did against UCLA, and it yeah. was the right move in a game that was trending towards a shootout. If you don't trust your defense, and there is absolutely no reason Oregon should have trusted its defense in this one, you have to be aggressive offensively. You have to be. And you can't look at it and say, oh, well, it didn't work out, so this guy's an idiot, and that didn't work out. From your own 34, with that with that drive going the way it was going, Yeah. so if you punt it away, what are you getting? Uh, 40 yards of field position on average? Maybe. Maybe yeah. they spring a good play. Maybe you fuck up the punt. There could be a lot of different things that sure. happen. But you're getting 40 yards on average. Is that enough to sacrifice the ability to win the game in regulation? Because if you punt it away, you're not winning that in regulation. You are opening yourself up to losing odds and overtime odds. But if you get that one yard... You are the only one with winning odds left in that game. I, so I, I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think there's any question about it. I think the only reason people are second guessing it is because it didn't work. I, I would question, I mean, I'm not going to be results oriented. You know, like I'm going to say, hey, you know, like that's a situation where has the defense been bad? Yes. But if it's like the final drive of the game and you're at home and Austin's going to go absolutely bonkers, like, I, I mean, I don't think punting was out of the question. I'm not saying that he's screwed up by going for it there. I mean, I just felt like it would be a closer call. You're you're definitely adamant that it's, so, like, it's only well, one thing well, to do. Well, so it's it's the analytics are one thing, um, and the analytics on this say it's like one of the most obvious calls of the entire season. It was like I, I looked at the the because they do that that fourth down bot. Um, their win percentage going for it was 66. percent if they punted it, it's 47%. Okay. So it drastically changes your win odds. And the reason it is is not because of the success failure. It's because um, because of what I just mentioned. You maintain winning odds and you take away all of their winning odds or most of them except for fluke plays if you yeah. go for it and make it. Whereas if you punt it away, you're opening yourself up to losing in regulation, which is, you know. Obviously, okay. what happened? Brian, um, he said, uh, please mention Oregon flopping on offense to stop the clock when they had no timeouts left. Yeah, that was like at the end. So when Oregon had a chance, so yes. after Washington scored. So I, I mean, I would vet, argue vet play. I, I vet would argue play. you could still win in regulation. By the way, if they punted because they get a stop, like they they Washington scored and they still had a chance to score. So, well, and, but this is but my point there is that's again good game management. That was good game management from Lanning because yeah. by do, so you're going for it. You've got your timeouts or enough of them still to stop the clock. You're giving yourself still an opportunity, even if you don't get the fourth down. Yeah. So it even it's it's further support for the idea of going for it. But that that flop like where they don't do the 10 second runoff and everything. They got all this extra time. That was very Pac-12 after dark. How this ended and everything that last sequence. So you, I think it would have felt bad if Washington ended up losing that one on some weird play. Yeah. But uh, and Bo Nix came back in for that, so he wasn't in for the series where they got stopped, and then you know Washington kicks a field goal. 
But um, Michael Penix. He was he was legit. Yeah. Um, real quick before we get Jay had a thing, a comment. I want to talk about this too. You guys went nuts on landing last week for the onside kick versus Colorado when it wasn't needed. The Washington players said they saw that and they were prepared for it. I, I, don't, I don't remember going nuts on that. Was I don't that remember. You said what I remember is I went nuts on why the hell did Lanning go offensive tackle touchdown linebacker touchdown Bo Nix catch a touchdown against Colorado. Like you didn't need any of those. Like these are the this is the game you should have pulled that stuff out for, not that one. So uh, that's to me that was that was not good game management. Like well, you didn't you didn't need to pull out all the stops. The first three scores against Colorado were like trick plays. Like, what yeah. do you do? Like, save that for Washington. Yeah. But Michael Penix. And hopefully, good. hopefully, Bo Nix is, is uh, it's a minor thing because yeah. uh, he did not look good on that last drive. The last no. throw fell like 10 yards short. So hopefully, he's uh, feeling better this week. I hope so too. Um, I mean, just a great game all the while. Uh, you know, I didn't like those trick plays. Um, you know, uh, Washington was running the ball and controlling the clock early. Like in the beginning, the first half of this game, this was like ball control. Don't let Oregon have the the ball. And then the second half, it just sort of was like everybody scoring. But they really slowed things down. I think that sort of took Oregon out of their rhythm a little bit. Uh, but you mentioned all the deep bombs. I The Oregon running backs are so good. And, you know, you lose Travis Diet. Those guys come in and play well. Washington missed about a million. <laughs> tackles uh crazy the third quarter alone and bruce feldman tweeted this out if you just watch the third quarter just fireworks bo nix and michael Penix, uh 16 of 18 for 341 yards and three touchdowns 35 total total points in the third quarter alone so they were just just back and forth throwing haymakers uh that goal line interception was uh, a killer but obviously the the long drive we talked kind of about uh all that so um, this is Michael Penix's ninth game, 300 passing yards this season. So it's the most in FBS and it's his third career game with 400 passing yards second this season. Um, the second sack that Oregon gave up. So they, Nick's hadn't been sacked at all. Washington. Didn't get it a was sa- a- after he got hurt though. He was, that was mobile. after he got yeah. hurt. Yeah. Um, and it was also the first lost fumble of the season for Oregon. So that's kind of crazy. 392 yards for Oregon. It was the most in a loss in any game on record. For, for Oregon. So they they had not since like 96. So if, that's kind of crazy. If they hadn't thrown the pick and if they hadn't thrown the pick at the uh, goal line and if, you know, Alex Forsyth doesn't, um, you know, snap that over Nix's head, it would have gone coming out of the half. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. <laughs> that's what it would have been if they literally punched it in from the one yard line and Forsyth hadn't snapped the ball over Nix's head. Washington, 9.2 yards per play. Uh, Brian said, never seen that in a top 25 matchup. So, I mean, it's pretty, uh, a lot of fire, a lot of fun. It wasn't that fun in the first half, but I thought Washington, Kalen DeBoer, like managed this game really well. And then it's sort of like the floodgates open in the second half, but he was able to hang, you know, you got, you, you still, he could win it another way. He was trying to run the ball, which they didn't do a lot of this year and control the clock. And then the second half, try to win a shootout. So So one thing I will say about DeBoer, um, they got, they declined a penalty at uh fourth and six at the Oregon twelve. Um first they attempted they were going to kick they were going to kick a field goal at fourth and one at the Oregon seven. Then they got a false start, fourth and six. Then they get a offsides penalty, I think it was. And they, and they, they, they back to fourth and one. But they declined it because they'd made the field goal. 
Yes. Um, they should have gone for the fourth and one originally, and then they should have definitely gone for the second, fourth and one. I, that would have been weird if they went for the second time. That was a misunderstanding of of what kind of game this was going to be. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a Chip Kelly esque error on the road. Um, it didn't come back to bite him because no. Michael Penix went ham in the second half. <laughs> but I didn't think he actually managed the game very well. I, I oh. think I think that was a miss. Um, they should have been up 14 to three at one point. In I think game. it was one of the things where they just wanted to control the ball, frustrate Oregon. And like, if they had a chance to get points, just take the points. I felt, I felt like that was sort of the philosophy and maybe it's the wrong one, but it seemed like that's what they were going to do and really make this Oregon offense frustrated that they were just sitting on the sideline most of the time. Yeah. But you know, it's more frustrating than being down <laughs> seven to three, being down 10 to three at that point, And then being down like 14 to three, Fair. you know? Um, so I don't know. Uh, but I, I actually I wasn't super happy with his decision making on oh. fourth down. Um, I thought again I thought Landing was better. I think I think Washington just simply played a lot better than Oregon did in they this did. game. Yeah. Um, but I thought Landing probably won the coaching matchup. Huge props for playing that way on the road, you know. And we will hope that uh, Bo Nix is healthy because he's in the Heisman race and all that kind of stuff. So all right, uh, we. So you say that we're L.A. homers. We talked about that game for like 15 minutes. So yeah. I don't know what well, you want. That game was so much fun. It was really good. Uh, let's go uh, take a quick break, and we'll come back and preview and do some questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nice. How's your uh, break? My break was good. I was looking. We have almost a hundred people, and you know, so we need to smash that like button in there. Yeah. Could you guys smash the like button? Smash. Break your computer's keyboard by smashing smash that like button. The hell out of that uh, like button. Do we appreciate? It. Thank you for like joining us on a Monday morning and uh, chatting about Pac-12 football, which we all love, um, or most of us do. Uh, let's see. Let's. I guess we're going to preview the games, right? That's what we. I think that's next. what we do here on this. We show. do this, the preview. The, so this week, um, all the games are on Saturday. So that's cool. No weekday games. Uh, in our picks, David is still. We both picked the same that week, which probably was a mistake. But I really just felt like I felt like you did. I felt there was going to be a lot of chalk. I will probably be picking some different games than David this week because there's only a couple weeks left, and I got to try to make up the ground, but I'll just try to be true to what I think. And, you know, maybe there'll be some different ones. We'll see. Uh, but let's start off with Washington state Cougars on the road, taking on Arizona Wildcats. 11 a.m. on the PAC 12 network, uh, Washington state six and four now bowl eligible. 
Uh, taking on Arizona in Tucson. Arizona, Slayers of the Dragon. That is UCLA football. Mm-hmm. It's not much of a dragon. It's sort of like one that like just blows steam. Like um, one of those uh, Komodo dragons? It literally or... just blows smoke. That's what UCLA does. It so blows like that, smoke. The, the uh, Whatever, the, the fire generation thing. Yeah, like yeah. The gland is gone. It's Correct. like an older dragon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a diseased dragon. A di- diseased dragon that had like a lot of success, like... I don't know, say like the Rose Bowl recently. Or yeah, yeah, no, it's you know that like sleeping giant analogy. <laughs> no, this is like the the diseased giant that's slowly <laughs> drifting into its eternal slumber. Nice. Um. Anyway, uh, Washington State is a four point favorite on the road. Uh, look, there's there's uh, the reality of Arizona is that they play good game, bad game, good game, bad game, good game, bad game all year. Uh, they just had their good game. Uh, they had a good game two weeks ago, and it was against USC. Um, we're just going to go real missing on Oregon. But uh, can they do it again? Can mm. they play well at home and beat a good defense? Uh, Washington State's defense is actually good. Very good. Will they disrupt Jaden DeLora? Um, will they make that offense uh, struck? Will they make that, um, you know, will, will, will Washington State be able to shut down Jacob Cowing? Will they be able to shut down all those weapons? And then conversely, um, Arizona's defense, I still think, is very, very bad. Yes. Uh, but can Wash- is Washington State equipped to take advantage? Washington State's not good. They scored 28 against Arizona State. I don't like the four points, so I'm taking Arizona. Oh. But I think Washington State, like, I think they're better. I just don't like four points in a game with a bad offense for Washington State. And, uh, you know, Arizona having some weapons. So I'll take I'll take Arizona. Arizona's like gonna be fired up because you know, this is bowl eligibility is still on the table, you know. Um, oh, oh, and somebody brings up in the chat, which I didn't even mention. This is Jaden Delora's former, former team. team. Right. Well that could be that could be good and bad. Right. That could be good and bad. Um so who did Washington State lose to? Like they lost to Oregon uh at home. That was crazy. They should have won that game. Uh, they lost on the road to USC. Didn't look good at all. They lost on the road to Oregon State. Didn't look. They've good They've only all. lost to good teams. They, you know, they lost at home to Utah. Didn't score a whole lot of points. Um, They've is, reliably beaten the shit out of bad teams. They have. Um, they beat the crap out of Stanford on the road. Uh, they beat Arizona State like we just saw last week. I really want to take Arizona here, but this is one of those ones I could see it. I could see Washington State going in there and Arizona sort of like peaked against UCLA and the defense is so bad that Washington State scores and this Arizona offense maybe, you know, meets a really good defense and just doesn't score as many points. I'm going to take the Cougs in this one. All right. I'm going to back the Cougs. This is going to be a decisive 11 a.m. for the Pac-12 rankings. Nice. I uh, love it. We'll see what's going on there. Next up, we have Oregon State Beavers. On the road, taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> this is 11.15 on ESPN2. So both Arizona schools playing in the morning. Yeah. Um, Oregon State, 7-3, and three, another palindrome game uh, taking on ASU. A- Washington State, Arizona is also a palindrome game, 6-4 and four versus 4-6. Four and six. This is 7-3 and three versus 3-7. Three and seven. Oregon State is a 7.5-point favorite. I don't love the half, but I'm still taking Oregon State. Uh, they're the most top-to-bottom competent team in the Pac-12. They've got a competent defense, competent offense, even though it's on the road. 
and Oregon State is a very different team on the road. Yeah. I don't know what to expect from Arizona State's offense in this one. I don't know if it's Emory Jones. I don't know if it's Trenton Borgay. If it's Emory Jones, I really like Oregon State. Uh, I thought you really liked what he was able to do. Yeah, um, I mean, like from like a storyline standpoint, but like from an actual play on the football field so standpoint. So on no. the road, uh, Oregon State really just got boat raced by Utah, which that's fine, you know. Um, they got a close win against Fresno State. Uh, they beat Stanford by a point, and they should have lost that game, which is Stanford. Uh, they lost to Washington, which a game they probably should have won. Um, they they just haven't I, – I mean – who did they, they, they didn't beat. Okay. So Fresno state, they didn't beat by, they beat them by three on the road, lost to Utah on the road, beat Stanford by one on the road, beat Washington by three on the road. I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Arizona state getting seven and a half points at home here. Like it's just Oregon state is not that good on the road. So I'm going to take Arizona state. All right, baby. So another one picking against you. Uh, let's see. We got next up. It's uh, we call this one big game. Stanford Cardinal. Small game. Be be respectful. These Small teams game. might not be you know FBS for much longer. <laughs> so big game uh, on the road against California Golden Bears. It's a small game this year. <laughs> Uh, 2.30 on the Pac-12 Is this a network. palindrome game? No. I don't know why this is televised. This should be like uh, old school. Like radio. early 90s. Should just be on radio. Take uh, Yeah. Stanford, 3-7. and seven, Going on the road into the tough confines of Memorial Stadium. Berkeley, California. Taking on 3-7 and seven, California. Cal is a four and a half point favorite. Nobody should be favored in this game. It should be a pick'em. Or favored by three. I don't know why Cal is favored. I'm taking Stanford. <gasps> no way. I don't know why anyone's favored. How do you pick either of these teams to win by more than three points? How? Well, Cal just fired their offensive coordinator. So uh-huh. assume you're going to get a bump from there. I thought you were going to, I was going to write Cal in for you because I'm just picking Cal because Stanford's so bad because they're just terrible. And, and, and to be fair, Cal's god awful. Cal has lost six straight. Yes. Six straight football games. Hmm. Stanford, but in conference they've done better, right? Like they've they won one. Let's remember, Stanford beat ASU and went on the road and beat Notre Dame. Yeah. Now it was several years ago, I believe, when they did that, but they did do that this year. Give me Cal. Come on. What's the score? Hold players. on. What's the score going to be of this I game? Like I saw, like Cal, twelve to seven. What's I it saw going to Cal be? Do well against USC offensively, and maybe they just fired their offensive coordinator, and you get that bump. You know, you get the bump from firing. The bump. The, what kind of bump do they need? I don't know. It's like a hit in the bathroom at a club or something. Or the, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I don't do that stuff. So but, uh, here's here's what Cal has done this year. They yes. beat UC Davis. Then they struggled. If you remember this game, they struggled to beat UNLV at home. Right. 20 to 14. But they should have beat Notre Dame. The only game where they've been a convincing like victor was beating the living shit out of Arizona. And even in that game, Arizona kind of flubbed it away. Nice. Uh every other game, they've been almost as miserable as Stanford. They scored Here's what 49 they, against Arizona. On. Here's what they have scored. Uh if you take away USC, which is, you know, its own little thing offensively or defensively. They scored nine against Washington State, yeah. 13 against Colorado, 21 against Washington, 24 against Oregon, and 10 against Oregon State. Yeah. Um, 14 to 10 final? What are we talking here? I don't know. This is sort of one of those things where, like, one of your kids is like a serial killer, 
And the other kid is like uh, a D student, but not murdering people. So you have to like give them the accolades. But though there's worse than that, though. It's like a D student that's not murdering people, <laughs> but has like a secret life that they, yeah, like they're like a demon, you know. Or something <laughs> like, but you just don't know it, and uh, they're secretly poisoning like classmates with like Drano. So like it's a less overt way to like be a mass murderer. And you're like, which was my favorite kid? Like I don't know. How do you pick between two god awful teams? But small uh, game. It's a small game. I'm going to go. I'm going with Cal. So, uh, yeah. So, another one going off here. Uh, we got the Crosstown Showdown. We, ha- we have, um, you wrote this wrong. Uh, number eight USC Trojans. You wrote UCLA. Uh, at number 12, UCLA Bruins. It really is a game against UCLA versus UCLA. That's mm. the only way they lose this one. Um, all right, this is on. Wait, hold big... on, Kyle had a great point. How are you guys still handicapping this game? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> we went, talked way too long about that. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, Five p.m. on Big Fox. Uh, currently, uh, this is the CFP rankings. Who knows what they'll be ranked? USC uh, traveling to traveling. This is a road game mm. at the Rose Bowl. Who's closer? Actually, is USC USC's closer? closer to the Rose Bowl. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, UCLA uh, now eight and two. <laughs> because they lost to Arizona. Is game day there? Because I heard game day was going to be there. <laughs> no? UCLA lost to Arizona, oh my preventing God. this wait, from wait, being... recently? Pre- like- <laughs> preventing this from being a top 10 matchup in the Crosstown rivalry for the first time in, I don't know, decades. Uh, Arizona's good, right? <laughs> They were like they were like twenty point favorites in that game, right? It was a good it was a good showing from UCLA. Yeah, uh, USC is a two and a half point favorite. If UCLA had beaten Arizona from like a power ranking standpoint, this would have been a pick'em or UCLA favored. Instead, USC is a two and a half point favorite. The over under is seventy five. It's um, a lot of points. So here's I haven't I haven't decided what I'm going to officially pick in my uh, game preview, which okay. is the one that actually matters to me. This is just the dumb one. What is giving me pause about UCLA? Because I think going into this past weekend, I would have said UCLA's defense is a slightly more trustworthy unit than USC's, and their offenses are very similar. So I would have taken UCLA. Yeah. However, what I just saw for two straight weeks is UCLA's tackles getting beaten like a drum by Arizona State and Arizona's pass rushes. And if you knew going into those games what those pass rushes looked like, that's a huge worrying sign because USC's pass rush, actually good, actually competent. Uh, ASU's and Arizona's were not. Um, the idea of USC and their pass rush going against this UCLA offense makes me concerned that UCLA is not going to be able to hold up their end of the shootout. Like They might get stopped three or four times, and that's going to be more than enough for USC. So I'm going to take the Trojans to cover the two and a wow. half. Wow. That's the first one we're going to agree on. Um, concerns. Uh, USC could be without three of their top four offensive players. Um, do they have? Do they still have other offensive players? <laughs> they still do. Okay, then they'll be fine. <laughs> they still do. Uh, Travis Dye. Uh, EVS says the cross down defensive meltdown. That's what he called it. I like that. Um, yeah, the, I and I think the big thing is Eric Gentry, if he could potentially come back, like he's been out since the the Utah game. Um, we haven't seen him at all. I think he's he helps a lot just being six six in the middle of the field. But we saw Jordan Addison come back for a couple snaps. Um, I think he's going to play. Mario Williams warmed up and then he didn't play at all. So you might get those guys back. 
And I think a lot of it's going to be like Travis Dye. I saw Austin Jones. I saw Darwin Ballo and Rayleigh Brown play really well when when Travis Dye went down. I think they might rally around him and play. This is one of those things where USC fans were kind of complaining. Like, Utah's, I mean, UCLA's going to score like a million. It's like when you're giving up a touchdown or like score every time to Cal, like UCLA can't score twice on a drive. They can only score as many times. And I feel like Caleb Williams is like good in these games where like things aren't kind of going his way. He figures out a way to sort of win. It'll probably be ugly, a lot of points scored, but I kind of feel like Caleb Williams is going to make some play at the end of the game and get this one. So I don't know, but UCLA could blow him out. USC potentially, I guess, could blow him out, but. It, almost anything can happen. In this yeah, moment. this one could go either way. Um, I would just the the odds are more in USC's favor. What I would be most concerned about again is USC is twenty seventh in sack rate nationally um, for a UCLA offensive line that has struggled to pass protect in the last couple of weeks. That's the I think that's a big key to the game. I don't think USC is a sound defense by any stretch of the imagination. I think if Dorian Thompson Robinson is comfortable, then this is an absolute shootout, and whoever has the ball last wins. Yeah. I'm just concerned that there's going to be stops forced by USC's defense in a way that UCLA is probably not going to be doing as consistently to USC. Like I think UCLA can generate some sacks. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone's saying USC's offensive line and Caleb Williams have been great at avoiding them this year. It's just they're not as good as USC's, um, and that's just the simple reality. UCLA is 45th in sack rate. USC is 27th. Daniel uh, says Clancy Pendergast is the acting defensive coordinator for UCLA. That's forgot about that aspect. There's a lot of former USC coaches on the staff, but is so is Clancy's the DC right now? Uh, sort of. He's he's like coordinating from the box. He can't really do any on field coaching, but um, yeah, he's the reason they were rushing two on uh, on a, <laughs> on like a fourth and or a third and eighteen. What is so? What's going on? Is there? We don't know. No, Bill Bill McGovern is uh, what he's been described as is. Um, dealing with an illness okay so um, wish him well hopefully it's nothing super serious but it's kept him out of a and, couple of weeks of football now and casmer allen if he could come back that would be big like <coughs> charbonnet came back he was out the week before yeah charbonnet came back uh kaz allen apparently was practicing today so um, okay. we'll see all right uh moving on we've got colorado buffalo on the road taking on washington huskies <laughs> This line has shifted a point since an hour ago. Uh, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Colorado traveling to then number 25 Washington. Who knows what they are now? Uh, Washington is a 31-point favorite now. Oh, can we – we wrote down 30. Let's keep 30. Okay. Unless you're going to go with – I'm going Washington. Yeah, know. I'm going Washington 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take them 31, too. What the hell? Let's do it. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've I, tried this Colorado thing like thirty plus yeah, points, no, and it's no. not worked. The uh, only the only time I to take I'm not doing it yeah, I, I can't do them on the road again. Uh, not not that many points. So yeah, it's a it's a definite Washington for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how Colorado scores enough to keep this within thirty. Yeah, Washington really good on offense. Uh, like you said, Penix has had th- every you know every game's three hundred yards. This will be a four hundred yarder. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does Colorado do well? Like, you know, Washington's not great on defense, but so. What does Colorado do on offense? They have JT Shroud. Right. Who can't play the position. Yeah. A non-functioning quarterback. Um, <laughs> like when I go visit my parents in like Massachusetts, it's in the winter. I'm like, I call it uninhabitable. Like this is like, an uninhab- you're living in an uninhabitable place. Like <laughs> he's <laughs> like, he's a non-functioning quarterback. I don't know. Like it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should not be playing the position. 
Uh, we feel bad. I'm sure he's a nice kid, and my apologies, but um, you don't look good when we're doing this. So, <laughs> and this is what we this is what we do. Uh, all right, the last game we have. This should be a uh, a good one. I don't know if you heard of these teams before, but we have Utah Utes on the road taking on Oregon Ducks. <laughs> 7.30 on ESPN, number 13 Utah, uh, or then number 13 Utah, going against number 6, then number 6 Oregon. Uh, they're both 8-2 and two now. Uh, they're both 6-1 and one in the Pac-12. Uh, this is basically to, I think, the win here for Utah, because they've got a bye next week um, against Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, this, this, this secures them one of the coveted spots in the yes. Pac-12 title game. For Oregon, it's a little bit murkier um, because they could still end up in that tie because they actually have a game next week against Oregon State. So, like, Utah and USC control their own destiny, right? Yes. And then yes. If Oregon U- and UCLA need some help. E- exactly. If USC wins out, they're in. If Utah wins out, they're in. Everything else is bonkers. Right. USC only has the one conference game because they have Notre Dame. Right. You can, But you can kind of argue Utah only does two, right? Like right. There's not – okay. Yeah, because no. they have Col- – Yeah. We're sorry, Colorado fans. You know we love you. Uh, you love yourself too. Have a mm-hmm. good life. You're living in Boulder. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, Oregon is a three point favorite at home. Um, okay. So here's what Utah has been doing of late. Uh, yeah. Just so we can get the update. Uh, they uh, beat USC 43 uh, 42. They went on the road and beat Washington State with a pig farmer at quarterback. <laughs> then they crushed the life out of Arizona and crushed the life out of Stanford. So the only blemish really at this point is at UCLA, where they lost by 10. Uh, I'm going to give them a pass for Florida. doesn't really matter at this point. That was a long, long time ago. Um, but basically, aside from UCLA, they've taken care of business. Uh, beat the living shit out of Southern Utah. Beat the hell out of San Diego State. Beat the hell out of Arizona State. Beat the hell out of Oregon State. Beat USC, the only team that's done that this year. Again, beat Washington with a pig farmer. Beat Arizona by 25. Beat Stanford by 35. Oregon up until this past weekend, was doing roughly the same thing to everybody. Destroying people. Just murdering teams. Mm. Um, even UCLA, like, competently coached game, and they won by 15. Uh, they beat Cal 42-24. I guess that was semi-close, but also a team that's just been murdering teams. I don't know what I'm going to do here because I think Oregon's going to be pissed off and angry. Yep. I think they're going to be super focused, but I also think Utah's super well coached. I think they've ironed out some kinks with Cam Rising coming back. I think he's ready to play a really good game again. Uh, I think they're ready to run the ball really well. I think it's going to be a damn good game, but I'm going to hang with this. Last, you- last two times Utah's done this, they, they won by like 28 points, so I'm going to take Utah. That's Okay, I was going to tell you, that's that's who I'm going with too, just because I was at the, the last time <laughs> these two teams played, and I picked Oregon, and I was like, I ain't doing that again. Now, I, Oregon looks much better, but um, and I know these are different teams, but We've seen that matchup twice, so I'm just going to kind of roll with that. Like that, I'm going to get points, and you know, Oregon, you know, they were fine, but they weren't the world beater against Washington last week. And Cam Rising is he, you know, going to be 100 percent healthy? I don't know. I mean, but this is uh, is Bo Nix going to be 100 percent healthy? We don't know about Bo Nix. Uh, who's the backup for Utah? That guy looks really good. The pig um, farmer, yeah. Bryson Burns. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like a super fast pig farmer. I mean, he's just a pig farmer. But he runs fast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he scored a bunch of touchdowns, right? Every time he comes in almost or something. Uh, yeah. Give me Utah. Um, I, I agree with you. Here's what I'll say about this week. Um, for the first time this season, I feel like I may have picked every single one of these games wrong. 
Like, I don't feel super confident about any one of these games mm. at all. I, I feel you. I, the ones I agree with you, I feel stronger about. Um, the other ones I felt more like flip a coin, but I would rather just take the other side of your flip, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't feel like super confident about this one. Um, Aaron says, Utah's not a real Pac-12 team because they always win the games they're supposed to. Like, that's That fair. is true. Yeah. That is true. Kick them out just for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get some questions. Right Let's get to here. some we, questions. We've been like an hour and a half in there. All right. I got a voicemail. You ready to listen to this one? Hit me. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Burke. Um, I was wondering just kind of with how the season is um, kind of taking shape for Cal so far this year. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts are on Justin Wilcox. Um, do you think he should be fired and whether you think Cal will actually fire him? I mean, I know they gave him an extension, but I watched the team this year. I think they're, quite frankly, an affront to the sport of football. So <laughs> just want to know what your guys' thoughts were. Thanks, guys. He he should be fired via cannon into the sun. <laughs> what was your uh, the line about Herm Edwards? Like, the best time to fire him was yesterday. The second best time is right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, look, when you have a failure as your head coach, it's just you've got to jettison as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, Justin Wilcox is a failure. Um, and, you know, I was on the, like, let's see how he does. You know, a lot of weird stuff. The COVID year was weird. They've lost a lot of close games. But reality is they're now, uh, what are they, 9 and 17 in their last three seasons. It looked like it was trending somewhat positively those first three years, but now it's not. Things are bad. They're getting worse. Um, and you just had to fire the offensive staff. You've had six seasons. You're under 500. Cal is a better job than that. Not that much better, but better than that. Um, it's time to let him go. I think this is a good fit. Like if again, I'm I'm semi joking about it, but semi not. If Jim Mora is back to having a pulse, like if he's back to like you know being you know mentally well and the whole thing, uh, Colorado and Cal should both pursue him. Um, and I think he'd be a good fit at both of those schools. Uh, Cal in particular. I mean, he's already familiar with the UC system and the vagaries of it. Um, I think he could win at both of these places. I think a lot of people could win at Cal. There's enough talent in the area that you can get a competent team going there's no excuse for being this bad as often as they are yeah um real quick clarification uh logan said the pig farmer is bryson barnes the fast backup quarterback is true freshman nate johnson so nate johnson has uh he's played two games uh four rushes for 44 yards and two touchdowns so half the time he touches the ball he also has one uh pass for a touchdown a 16 yard pass so he's got three touchdowns yeah, but he's the backup to the backup Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer, is the real guy. Right, but he looks like when he comes in, he's kind of got some elect electricity to him. Yeah, but Bryson Barnes is the pig farmer, and the got pig it. farmer is the power. All right. Oh, and uh, Philip says, loving the simulcast, guys. Yeah, that's well, it, great. It's, uh, it's totally a simulcast because that's what uh, yeah. they yeah. want to do. Yeah, nobody knows what words mean. Our first question, Regents trying to block UCLA. Dear Dave and Ryan, Abbott and Costello, Martin and Lewis, and now Ryan and Dave. The synergy between you two is off the charts. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Baxter. That's yeah, great. That's very sweet. Questions. Do you think the UC Regents possibly blocking the UCLA move to the Big Ten has any legs, or is it just a bunch of pipe-smoking, tweed coat, elbow-patched wearing, ashtray glasses, group of stiffs trying to look more important than they are? Oh, and if I left out uh, <laughs> hair gel wearing, mic dropping, governor who claims he knows anything about this. And if they do vote to block it, what do you think the ramifications would be? Lawsuits, giving money to Cal, spelled with a K, as they transition to the Mountain West, 
dissolution of the entire US, UC system. Thanks, Baxter Scruggs. So one, I don't think there's anything to it. I'm I'm I, I'm loath to say I know there's nothing to it, but it's borderline there. Um, and two, if they did it, they would uh, everyone involved would be sued to oblivion. Mm. Um, it would be uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Just really, really dumb shit. They're not going to do it. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. This is from Ernesto from Temecula. Uh, does Oregon have a dog problem? Hello, gents. It appears Oregon's weakness is playing against teams with dog mascots. Them good old Georgia Bulldogs and those snow-loving Huskies of Washington. Oregon should be fine the rest of the year or what's left of it, unless they have to face a team with a dog mascot during their bowl appearance. Four questions. Can you name a few teams with a dog mascot? Connecticut Huskies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia. Georgia UW. Bulldogs. Uh, Fresno State Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Georgetown Bulldogs. Hoyas. Aren't they Bulldogs, too? Maybe are they? I don't know. Uh, who else would be a a do- um? Who else has dogs? Like Tennessee has a dog, but that's like the mascot. That's not like the they're the volunteers. Yeah. Are there other huskies? Uh, you said Yukon, right? Yep. Are there other uh, mastiffs? Are there uh, are there you know greyhounds? Are there? I don't know. Are there? Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. Well, terriers? Anyway. Are there? Uh, oh, Boston College Terriers. Uh, Boston University Terriers. There you go. Uh, are there any um, Dalmatians? 101? Don't, don't know. Are there any uh, Shepherds? Northern Illinois Huskies. Are there any Mutts? That's from Aaron. Hoyas with a Bulldog. Wait, what? Yeah, Northern Illinois. So we people, a couple of people put that in the chat. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate you. There's more questions, right? Oh, you don't want me to keep naming dog breeds as no. they come into my mind? <laughs> yes. Keep um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave's boy, Phoenix, looked awesome against Oregon. Keep up the great work, boys. And Dave, please do more mascot sounds on the show. Ernesto from nice. Temecula. Frank, uh, defense wins championships. He's in Sacramento. If only the Pac-12 could play defense with ex-Cal coach Sonny Dykes and Lincoln Riley's little brother leading the way. TCU may be favored to go to the playoffs. Will a one-loss USC have a chance over an undefeated Big 12 team? That's not the that's not the calculation. TCU is in if they win out. The calculation yeah. is USC winning, getting in over Michigan, the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, or like a Tennessee or something like a one. No, 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 team. no, no. So it's going to be whoever wins the SEC, Georgia, more than likely. Um, then it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan. Then it's going to be a TCU potentially undefeated, and then it'll be the Pac-12 one-loss champion if mm-hmm. USC wins out. Oh, uh, Kyle said Gonzaga too. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, Gonzaga. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, and uh, the the nuclear scenario is if LSU somehow beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, yeah, um, and that's where things get weird and wonky. Um, I still don't think they're putting an LSU at that point. Uh, Randy said Mississippi Bulldogs. It's Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, see. Mississippi's Rebels. Yeah. Uh, are you? I think it's you. You think it's me? No, I just did. I guess it's me. I just did Frank. This is from Coach B in San Diego, Pac-12 Expansion. Okay. Hey, guys, and thanks for another podcast. This one is much needed for the Friday commute. I am hoping you can settle an argument between, between my former head coach and me. Would the Pac-12 consider adding San Diego State? He says yes on basketball, on football and basketball merit. 
I argue no, based on Stanford Cal UW administration being too pretentious to allow a lowly CSU into the clubhouse. I counter-argue that Pac-12 is more likely to add UC Davis based on the fact that the Aggies beat that butt in 2005. Thoughts? Uh, no UC Davis, but yeah, San Diego State, I think, would be the leader in the clubhouse. You know, Yeah, I think San Diego State for sure, and I think they'll hold their nose and do it because I think having access to, first, those road games is important to that uh, area. Having more California access is important, and yeah. also... San Diego State will add a little bit of money. I don't know if it's a lot, but it's probably one of the better media markets left for the Pac-12 that's actually realistic. So it makes sense as much as anything makes sense at this point. And then P.S. David and Ryan, you both missed my high school team's playoff games, and we keep winning. CIF semifinals this Friday. Please do us a favor and do not come to El Centro this weekend either. Thanks. Great. I was going to go. I was thinking about it. Yeah, It's my birthday on Saturday, so I was thinking about spending the weekend in El Centro, but Okay. Fine, we can do this for you. Um, your birthday, like when your birthday comes, is it like one of those? You know, when like the Miami Dolphins like sort of celebrate every time, like you know, when the Philadelphia Eagles lose, it's like uh-huh. another year of no one else going undefeated. Like, is it another year of like UCLA not winning the Rose Bowl? Like, is that like yeah, something yeah. you? No, think- well, because I feel like I played a role in the <laughs> because I think at, at the point at which I was born in 1985, right. There was little that could be done about them avoiding the Rose Bowl at that point, right? Okay. About avoiding a win in the Rose Bowl. You're, you're, you're they were they were too good. That. They'd already built the roster. Everything was fine. Yeah. But since then, you know, my existence could play a meaningful role in them not having a, a roster competent enough to win a right. Rose Bowl. Nice. Uh, all right. This one, well, this is long. John, whiny and, and entitled Bruin fans. Uh, Ryan and Duvid. It's Gonzaga. All right. Random. It's Gonzaga. What, what did I say? It. Did I say Gonzaga? I don't know. Somebody says no. It's the people being like Gonzaga. They wanted. Oh, Gonzaga? They wanted to say Gonzaga. Fuck I, that. I might say Gonzaga. I don't remember. Gonzaga. You, I, yeah, I think I say it the way you said. I'm not sure. Uh, I know Boise. You have to say. I try to say that differently because they want Boise, not Boise. Flat A's just sound horrible. No. Nobody should pronounce a flat A. Gonzaga. Uh, I'm just telling what they say. Uh, I'm a Paul. Uh, I'm appalled at UCLA fan behavior after the team's loss to Arizona. Wines of, quote, Chip is a fraud, and quote, we're a basketball school. Why do we bother with football? We're out of line and overblown. They lost their good team. We're talking about Arizona football here, a team led by the football mind of Jed Fish, a Cactus Bowl participant head coach, a team with monster wins over North Dakota State, Colorado, and San Diego State. These gutty Bruins unfairly had to play on the Rose Bowl field, which is composed of what can only be described as, quote, loose hay, Seats brimming with dozens of tepid fans amongst the acres of tarpaulin. Gi- wait, tarpaulin give no team an advantage. How do you expect a home team to cover a 19 half point spread, let alone win in those unfavorable conditions? The the field was bad. It was bad. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping they figure something out by this weekend because I think that's going to be a national eyesore. Right. I don't know. The what dudes was were it. slipping all over that field. It looked like the it looked like the shit my daughter played on that morning in ASO. Was it kind of it was cold? Like, uh, I don't know. It, well, they, they had changed. They resodded the field like a month ago, hmm. and I don't know if it hasn't. Like, I, I look. I know nothing about grass. I don't, uh, I, and I don't want to know. Don't educate me. I, I don't want to be educated on anything new. Get in okay? the chat and educate him. <laughs> I, I want to know the things I know and nothing else. But I think there's something with it not taking root. Maybe. Oh. It just looks chewed up already, um, and it looks like really – it looks 
honestly, it looked really hard. Like it looked like if you fell down on it, it would fucking hurt. Yeah. Um, I'm cursing a lot today. Loose hay. Yeah. Is the way uh, John described it. He says yeah. people also forget that Arizona is a powerhouse. A formal national champion, 17-time Pac-12 champions, eight-time conference tournament champions. Wait, I'm sorry, those are all in basketball. Anyway, or anyhow, they're abs- they abs- they are absolutely the dominant football force in the greater Tucson area. UCLA should be proud of what these players showed on Saturday. I know similar basketball schools like Kentucky, Villanova, and Gonzaga would never question the leadership of their football programs. I want to close with a look toward the future and give hope to the entitled Bruin fans, Jarman needs to extend Chip now before he really hits his stride next season when all UCLA fans can expect to be in the hometown bowl game they've been craving since 1999. That's right. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle or whatever it is. Uh, all the best, John. You know, I think it's really unfair for people to to <laughs> use my own techniques against me. I don't think it's Why nice. Why would they do that? I don't think it's kind. Uh, I think it's unfair. Um, and uh, frankly, John, you should be a fit shame to yourself. Mm. It's pretty good. Good email. That was a pretty good effort, though. I thought I liked it. Um, I will say, there's a big difference between after a game directing all of your ire towards the head coach and the team that actually performed, like the UCLA team that they were rooting for, <laughs> versus whining about the refs. I will say that. Okay. Big difference. Yeah. Um, How were the refs in that that one? They're fine. I, unnoticeable. Okay. That's I mean, good. which is rare in the Pac-12. Yeah. I mean, they were bad, but you know, <laughs> bad in the unnoticeable <laughs> Pac-12 way. Uh, this is a text message. Hi, uh, I'm. This is Jordan T, longtime Ute fan and new listener to the pod. I may have been living under a rock the past decade because I never took note of how awful the officiating was until the Utah USC game this year. Now it seems that every single Pac-12 game I watch has a ridiculous call that either changes the momentum of the game or has an impact on the overall score. Should the Pac-12 clean house and fire all officials that currently work for them? Should they switch to an all-camera team? Do you think a team of only women will fix the issues? What are the possibilities that we can develop AI robots to officiate? I think all good suggestions. I think, honestly, they should just call the fouls on the field. Like, reach a consensus. Like, was that actually a foul? Players should call their own fouls. Oh, I kind of like that. Like, it's a... Pick up basketball game. Yeah, because they want to keep playing, so they're not going to sit there arguing forever. Like, and I, I think to I don't want to give credit, but there's I think there's chances where like the Pac-12 eventually gets it right, like so the officials get it right, but it's the process is just painful because you have to like call a play, well, call it back. Oh, we started the next play. No, wait, hold on, stop. We're going to review that play. We think there was a targeting, and then it's like five minutes later, like oh, there wasn't a targeting. Like we were literally about to run the next play. Like can we just yeah. have done that? Uh, but then sometimes you kind of get it right, and they look back and fix things. But it's the process is bad. I don't think you need to fire everybody, but you need to have like like relegation, you know. And they need to. And I think John Cazano brought this up. Like, no, I got it. I got it. Do like the ancient Romans, uh, decimation one in ten. Uh, you know, fire them or you know do something even worse to them as an example to the others. Yeah, that's how you enforce discipline. I like that decimation one in ten. Um, at random. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely at random. Would would random be Michael Mothershed? Would he be in the yes, random? Yes, he would be in the random pile. Correct. <laughs> but one in ten. Let's do it. Decimate the Pac twelve officials. <laughs> I, I think you could you could bump it up. Um, but maybe with some merit involved, you know. Uh but I think having a farm system would be, you know, a, a conference you could work with to feed officials to the Pac twelve so they can kind of, you know, 
work on their craft and then come and move up to the big leagues. And if you saw, did you say, feed, did you say feed officials to the Pac 12? It sounds like <laughs> the Pac 12 is like some sort of like personification, like, like some sort of monster. <laughs> the Rancor. Like, <laughs> feed, feed another official to the Pac 12. The Pac 12 is hungry for officials. <laughs> feed another one in. But then if you stink, you poop it out and you go back down Correct. to the lower. Yeah. Like that. All right. Last one. Next round of realignment. Uh, this is from Nathaniel. Uh, he spelled his name wrong at the end. Do you see it? Oh, he did, yeah. yeah he spelled his own name wrong. From Georgia. Uh, do you guys think uh, that the Pacific Athletic Conference name will live on no matter what? Even if in five or ten years, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah join a super conference, the pack would still be alive. Oregon State, Washington State, and possibly new member San Diego State would just invite Mountain West schools to upgrade to a better brand uh, and some better competition in the pack. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Uh, Pacific. He said Pacific Athletic Conference. So the Pac-12, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think the Pac-12 would continue to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Would we? Could we still do a podcast if, like, all the big schools that we would be covering right now are now in some other conference and we just continue to cover – um, Boise State versus uh, I don't know. It's Gonzaga it, who just got a football team. Legitimately, the more we go through this season, the harder it is to imagine continuing this in any level, and we're going to have to. Like we've got too many people. But what? Like there's there's tens, maybe even twenties of people listening to the show right now. Mm. Um, we have to continue at some level. I don't know how we're going to do. We it. got triple digits, by the way. Yeah, like, I know, like live viewers. How are we going to do this? Uh, we, well, we're almost through year one. It's not year one. It's the final year. It's the final two years of the thing we've been doing forever. Not forever, but it's 2016. I don't, know. I don't remember anything between, before 2016. Well, I think we started 2015, maybe. But 2015, we, yeah. We started doing our picks in 2016. Uh, yeah, I think it's still TBD. I think we need to see what the Pac-12 does. Do they expand? Um, does UCLA, the regents, block them from going? You know, I don't know. Oh, Kyle has an important question for us. Mm -hmm. Do we know how Chris Hudson is doing? So Kyle, um, unfortunately, thinks this is a so-called information show. Oh, one where we have information on there. the teams that we're talking about. I don't. Yeah, I haven't heard. We have no idea. None. Uh -huh. None. Did we do a Google search before this to even hear any updates on the injured players that we were talking about? No. No, mm -hmm. we didn't. No. Ryan didn't. I certainly didn't. No. Um, no. This is the low information podcast. Yeah, I gave you. You're this. looking. You're looking. I gave you this. Else. I gave you the the circle of suck for the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's what I brought you. That's what Ryan brings. <laughs> <laughs> so Kyle, that's um, you just you made an error. You've made a mistake. You've you've listened to this much of the show and you were expecting an answer on something that was right. important to you. And frankly, we don't have it. We will try though. No, 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 no. That's a lie. We probably we're not going to try. Uh, all right. Well, we've been going a long time. <sighs> craziness uh two more weeks left of regular season pac-12 football um nuts but i uh, hope you guys enjoyed it uh, it was a lot of fun to kind of recap what's going on should be a fun weekend full saturday i had i tweeted out a picture of me like watching the tv i think had oregon washington on and i had uh arizona like ucla on my laptop or, or and then another one like on my ipad i had three games going at once it was great um it was cool just being covering a game on a Friday that I could just watch from my couch. So I just like stayed on my couch all day and watched 
Pac-12 football was great. There's these other good games going on. I'm like, I'm watching the Pac-12. So I'm like, oh, what, what's going oh, on? Oh, Kyle was making a joke. Chris Hudson was the player who fell down at the end. Oh, okay. So we were being funny, but he was actually being funnier. He's very funny, yes. We're just stupid the on top injury. of not providing any information whatsoever. <laughs> very cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap things up. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.